0: The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. Our goal today is to get into God's Word and recognize the foundation for the things that we've been singing. We've been singing some very powerful things today. And uh, I just, I love that. Uh, music puts emotion to truth. And uh, we've been singing that and feeling that and expressing that to our God. But it's all based on the truth of His Word. And so we want to get into that. Uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 today uh, Romans 8, 12 to 17, talking about uh, debt. And singing, the things that we've been singing about, are, uh, we're trusting that we're going to see clearly um, uh, through God's Word today. So, let's talk a little bit about debt. Now, Margaret and I have been living in, on and off in the same house for about eight years. Sometimes we live there and sometimes we don't. And, um, uh, but, but something that's troubling is I keep getting mail for people who were there before us. And actually, I think some of them were for people who were before the people who were before us. And, uh, and, and it's, it's debt collectors. And like, how hard is that group working to contact somebody at our house who haven't been there for like eight years or more? Are they working hard? Sometimes we get phone calls. And we go, why are you calling this number? Well, it's because it's associated with that address. Really? you are really working hard to get a hold of this person, aren't you? Not. And so, uh, but bad debts are like that. They just kind of like never go away. I feel sorry for those people. So you've heard of bad debt and good debt probably, right? So that's obviously a bad debt. Somebody's still after you for it for eight years. Um, but sometimes you're paying on the debt and you think, oh, we're okay. We're okay. Um, but it's still bad debt. Bad debt is like consumer debt and like credit card debt and like car loans and things like that. And we say, that's bad debt. Um, What's good debt? Well, good debt is like mortgages or maybe a business loan. We're, we have a system for paying that back, and we never could get there if we didn't actually borrow some money. And so apparently that's good debt. But we're not really talking about finances today, we're talking about spiritual debt. And uh, we are all. Debtors, Let's uh, read this passage and uh, it will become pretty clear as we read it that living in debt is not the way that God would have it. But uh, let's see what he's saying about that. So Romans chapter 8, 12 to 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors, uh, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we are uh, spiritual debtors, Paul says. We are debtors. We're in debt. And so it's a spiritual debt. And we want to see the difference today between bad spiritual debt and good spiritual debt. The amazing thing is, let's get this right off the top. The amazing thing is as followers of Christ, uh, we actually have no bad debt. We have no bad debt. Uh, How do I know that? Let's uh, go back just a little bit. Romans chapter eight, verse one. Now, just a few weeks ago, Pastor Todd uh, brought a a difficult word for many. uh, And he started here. He said, okay, let's put this difficult word in the right context. And this is the context. We have no bad spiritual debt. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Our bad debt has been taken care of. And so we need to get a good handle on that. And so let's uh, just back up a little bit more in uh, this book and establish the reality of the fact that we are in debt. So uh, where does this debt come from? Funny that you should ask. If you'll notice, verse 12 starts by Paul saying, so then, so then, uh, therefore, because of, uh, so he's talking about everything that he's been talking about in the, all the... Romans chapters 1 through 7 up till eight, eleven, Everything he says, so then, because of all that, um, we are debtors but not to the flesh. So let's take a look at where this debt comes from. First of all, uh, we owe God everything. That's the debt that we owe. We owe God everything. Let's see how that happened. Romans 8 verses 3 and 4 say this. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So God has done something that we couldn't do on our own. Let's take a closer look at that. I really want to lay this down here, all right? And so let's, take a, let's just back up a little bit more in the book of Romans. Let's see what else Paul has said prior to this. So let's start here, Romans 3.23. You can flip back if you uh, want to quick. Uh, Romans 3.24, or apparently it's on the screen. I better quote it right then, hadn't I? <laughs> For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, that's debt. That's bad debt. Um, But are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, That's good debt. And so the bad debt is we fall short. We're sinners. And uh, but God has justified us or declared us righteous uh, through Christ. So the bad debt is uh, we uh, are sinners. We fall short of God's glory. We're not like him. Uh, The good debt is God's fixed that on our behalf through Christ. Uh, let's take a, a little bit more. Romans 5.1 says, we have peace with God. Um, that's uh, not peace. It is bad debt, but we have peace with God um, because of what He's done. Romans 5.2, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, we fall short of the glory, but in Christ... Uh, we have hope or confidence of the glory of God. We can participate in the glory of God. That's a, a fantastic promise of his. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, Romans 5.8 But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, bad debt, Christ died for us in our place, creating good debt. Now we're going to find out Um, boy, okay, it's good debt, but I'm still in debt. What do I do with that? I'm praying that at the end of this message, you will be blown away with what that good debt actually brings to you. We may as well just quit. I think I just kind of like pulled the rug out from under my feet here. Now let's keep going. Um, Romans 5, 10, uh, uh, we read that. Uh, No, we didn't. Romans 5, 10 and 11, for if well we were enemies, bad debt, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Okay, bad debt separated from God, good debt reconciled to God through Christ and it's all because of what Christ has done. Uh, Romans 6.5, if we have been united uh, with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be reunited with him in a resurrection like his. Uh, 6.22 and 23, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, bad debt. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Good debt, that brings us to Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Okay, bad debt. We're, we're sinners. We're separated from God. Uh, God uh, took care of that. And so Jesus um, did not paid a debt he did not owe uh, because we had a debt that we could not pay. And Jesus took care of that and now we are debtors to him. And that's implied in the text. Paul says we are debtors not to the flesh. Uh, Well then what are we debtors to? We're debtors to the spirit. And so we owe uh, God everything. Let me just pause and and underline for us here how this happened. Uh, Let me underline how we went from having bad debt to this good debt. I think this is really important. Uh, As a matter of fact, this is the foundation of everything that we preach here. And uh, I am concerned that week after week, some come and have not really got a handle on the fact that um, beyond the fact that God loves them, uh, they need to somehow uh, deal with this bad debt and receive God's gift of eternal life, um, good debt. And how that happens is by faith. Uh, where we respond to God in faith. And so Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13. Uh, if we look a little ahead, Paul kind of reaffirms all of this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so to, to understand and come to terms uh, with the reality of our debt, we, we need to understand that we're separated from God and the only way to receive him is to respond to him in faith and call on the name of the Lord and ask him to save you. There's no one else you can turn to. I sometimes say, if you happen to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe you are God and you died in my place and uh, offer me eternal life, would you please forgive my sin and give it to me? And if uh, Jesus said, no, no, not you. I don't like you. Where else would you turn? There is nowhere else to turn. You need what Jesus has And only he can give it. And so have you called on the name of the Lord and had your sins forgiven? This huge debt that you cannot deal with has been dealt with by Jesus Christ. And he offers to you to forgive your debt and give you his righteousness. And that's where we're starting. We need that. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not of works, not a result of works so that no one can boast. We owe God everything. Colossians 1, 14 says, In Him we have redemption. We've literally been bought out from under sin. We have the forgiveness of sins. So we go owe oh God everything. On the other hand, we owe our flesh nothing. We owe our flesh nothing. We are debtors, Paul says, But not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Now let me define flesh for you here. Because uh, I think that we need to get a good handle on what we're talking about. So uh, the scriptures define us as kind of having an inward person and an outward person. And that's true of everyone. Uh, We have our inner person and our outer person. They're inextricably linked. You can't separate them. If you separate them, you're dead. Right? And so we have my inner person. Often the Bible uh, describes that as the heart. The heart of a man is the inner person. But uh, I can only express my inner person through my outer person. And so that's a reality. I, I have my inner person, my spirit, and my outer person, my flesh, what we see. And I know we look at people and we see their outer person, but uh, God looks on our heart. He sees our inner person as well. And so we're, we're, uh, we are an, a spiritual person uh, linked to a physical reality, and that's how the only way we can express ourselves is through my physical being. And so that's uh, a reality about who we are, and everyone is like that. Uh, but the Scriptures make it clear that uh, some people are spiritually dead, so their inner person is dead, separated from God, has not been redeemed. And so uh, that person, we, uh, Paul uh, often calls the old man. As opposed to those who are in Christ, are a new man. And so there's the old man and a new man, or the natural man and the spiritual man, or the, the uh, fleshly man and the spiritual man. And so we're talking here, uh, we're debtors, not to the flesh, to our old nature, to our old person. In Christ, we've been redeemed and made a new person and uh, we owe a debt to God. We owe nothing to the flesh. So let's be uh, clear about that. We're in the process now. We have to deal with this reality that I have that old nature. We're in the process as we are in Christ. We're in the process of taking our, our life now and turning it away from the old way and bringing it into line with Jesus Christ. And does it take some time to get that done? Uh, Yeah, some of us have a little further to go too. And so we're aligning our lives with who Jesus Christ is. So we're turning away from our old ways and uh, more and more putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And that's a process. And we need to understand that. And part of this process is that we have this old nature. But Paul makes it clear. We owe nothing to it. But... Just like an old bill collector, our flesh keeps coming around and says, hey, you owe me. And no, no, God says, no, 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 that debt has been paid. But the flesh doesn't like to hear that. And it keeps coming to us and saying, hey, you owe me. Now, what does that sound like? Here's what that sounds like. Uh, It actually sounds like this. Come on, just go ahead. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself. Look how, what a great guy you are. What a great girl you are. You owe it to yourself. Um, Owe it to what? That's your flesh talking. Because if it was your spirit talking, you would say, you belong to Christ. You owe him everything. And so when you say, you owe it to yourself, uh, that's your flesh. Sometimes it sounds like this though. Uh, They owe it to you. After what they did, they owe this to you. Sometimes it sounds like that, right? Um, Sometimes it sounds like, hey, God owes you this. God owes you this. Look how you've served him. God owes you. Really? Sometimes we pick a nicer nicer spin on that. We say, "Uh, God wouldn't want you to live without that. God wouldn't want you to be lonely. God wouldn't want you to be behind everyone else. And so we kind of twist. And sometimes it comes out just like the lie from the garden. Hey, God is holding out on you. All of those things are are what it sounds like when the flesh is trying to say, hey, pay up, pay up, you still owe. We owe nothing to the flesh. Nothing. As a matter of fact, Paul says, if you live according to the flesh you will die. Galatians 6, 7 says it this way. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Do you remember that just a, a little while ago? That incredible message Pastor Dan brought to us on this passage of Scripture. Do you remember that? He says, listen, this is an inexorable law You cannot get away from it. What you sow, you will reap. And let me tell you, uh, if you're sowing, if you're living according to the flesh, as Paul puts it in Romans 8, if you're living according to the flesh, you are deceived. In Galatians, it says, don't be deceived. If you're living according to the flesh, you are being deceived. You're thinking, this is going to work out well. Um, I got news for you. This is not going to work out well. It says, uh, God is not mocked. If you're living according to the flesh, you're mocking God. You're being defiant to your own heavenly Father. You can't do that. God says, don't live this way. And when you are are living according to the flesh, you're saying, God, I know better than you. I want different than you. I reject your love. You're being defiant, just like a little two-year-old that will not put on their shoes. It's interesting when you become grandparents, you go back to that. And you would think you would handle it better now. No. So, so you're being defined if you're living according to the flesh, if you're sowing to the flesh. And, and then Paul says, if you're sowing to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. You are decaying as we speak. You're on a downward spiral, not an upward spiral. This is not going to work out well for you. Listen to the warnings of God's word. And so Paul says, uh, we are debtors to not live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But then he says this, if you live according to the spirit, you will live. Now notice, we're kind of faced with two choices here. Am I going to live to the flesh or am I going to live to the spirit? But uh, living to the flesh is just kind of like you just go along with it. But I want you to notice it's not a a choice between two neutral options. This isn't like, shall I live to the flesh today or shall I live to the spirit? If you live to the spirit, it means that you are choosing to actively fight against the flesh. Because that's where we're starting. We're living, we're we're starting in a hole. We're already behind this. And so uh, to live according to the Spirit isn't just a choice and I'll just go this way, not that way. To live according to the Spirit means I have to fight against my flesh. And so uh, we need to understand this. Peter put it this way. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. The old nature is pushing back against your inner person and must be dealt with. Paul is saying, kill your old nature or it will kill you. That's how serious this battle is. This is the reality that we each have to live with. Uh, Living the Christian life just isn't easy and natural. I must actively deal with my old nature, even as a born again, alive in Christ, child of God. I have to deal with my old nature. If we do not grasp this reality, we will grapple with the process of sanctification from a weak and unprepared position. Now, if you're like me, uh, this is what you wish would happen. I accept Jesus as my Savior, and bam, I just go be with Him, and we're done with all this. This would be an empty room. That would be kind of cool. But that's not how God saves us. He saves us in time and space. And like, I don't know why he did that, but he did. And so we're here and we have to grow in him and uh, put off the old man and put on the new. And so it's a battle. And we must be prepared. We have to accept the reality of this battle. So many Christians get kind of screwed up. They go, well, I must not be saved because I just have such a battle with this. I, I just keep sinning. Well, that's because you have an old nature. And we're going to talk in just a minute about how I deal with that. But if you're unprepared for it, then it's like going into a battle uh, unprepared and unarmed. And uh, there's a, well, let's put it this way. It's like, okay, okay, I'm going to take on my flesh. And uh, here we go. Um, I'm a pretty wiry guy. There's a few guys in the room here. Although they're big and although they look strong, just be careful. And so, uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to fight my flesh, so let's get in the ring. And I get in the ring, and I go, like, I've been working out for the last week. And so, <laughs> I'm ready to go, and I find out that my opponent is Anthony Joshua, who just took the heavyweight boxing championship. Or, if you're from my realm, uh, Muhammad Ali, Right? dances like a butterfly, stings like a bee. And I, I go, okay, uh, I think I'm done here. Like, I don't stand a chance against that. And we need to understand, we need to take this so seriously, we need to establish the reality of this battle that we have with our old nature. and anyway, we need to be ready for it. And that brings us to this then, if I'm going to handle my spiritual debt properly, I must engage my responsibility Engaging the process of sanctification takes action. It involves putting to death the deeds of the body. We call that mortification, to put to death, to kill, um, and the opposite, vivification, to make alive in the spirit. This involves recognizing how the flesh operates as well as how the spirit operates. So this passage that we have has a number of contrasts about how the flesh operates and how the spirit operates, and we need to understand that. And so we can kind of characterize them in the big term, uh, slavery rather than sonship, uh, bondage versus belonging, or enticement that leads to slavery versus invitation That leads to guidance. And so the way that the flesh operates is completely different than the way that the spirit operates. And if I'm going to engage my responsibility to, uh, to put to death the deeds of the flesh and live according to the spirit, I need to understand these things. So let's uh, take a look at how the flesh enslaves. The flesh enslaves. James 1, 13 to 15 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then when desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So this expands a little on the truth we have in Romans 8. There it says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Galatians says, if you sow according to the flesh, okay, a little more uh, clearer picture, it doesn't always happen right away. Right? If you sow to the flesh, flesh you'll eventually reap of the flesh corruption okay sometimes it takes some time and so some of us get pretty cocky and we go yeah i got away with that yeah i sinned but it's okay everything's just fine for now so galatians kind of gives us a little more information and uh, james says hey listen here's the process here's how it works this is what happens uh, you're going along and you have an old nature and something uh, comes into your uh, life or into your path and that old nature, um, let's be aware of it, it's, it's alive there, it's, it's still got some kick to it and it responds to that. And, and you go and you, why you're enticed and you're drawn into that. And so you bite. And uh, the first time you bite, you go, wow, that really met my need. That, that really helped me cope. Uh, that's really what I wanted. And so you, you bite a little bit more and you, after a while, you, you know, you're saying like, you know, I know that this is wrong, but, and so you decide one day, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And your flesh says, pardon me? Uh, yes, you will. And you find out that you've given the flesh a lot of uh, power and strength in your life and you find out that it is not going to take no for an answer and you, you seem to have no, ability to resist because you've been giving into that and then you find out that it takes over and it becomes a slave driver and sin begins to crush you and harm your relationships and break you down and literally uh, kill you. Paul says in verse 15, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Isn't it true that all most sin all sin is driven by fear fear of missing out fear of not getting what i need fear of not getting what i want fear of being rejected fear that god is holding something back from me and so um now listen sometimes we make a mistake sometimes we think okay the the flesh is bad and so i'm like i have got to uh, knuckle down and get control of this thing and so we uh, decide that we're, we're going to say no. The flesh is not going to rule over us and we are going to say no. Um, and so uh, we must not make the mistake of trying to suppress the old nature with rules that we try to keep. Relying on the very flesh that we need deliverance from. Does that make sense? Now sometimes it seems like we teach this because we teach things like radical amputation. Right? Cut it off. Now that is, that is uh, obeying scripture to not make any provision for the flesh. To not give Satan a foothold. And so we're obeying scripture. Well, we don't do that on our own. We Radical uh, amputation starves the flesh. Uh, we do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we talk about radical accountability. We get, get the walls down. Uh, get, get, uh, uh, get, get some accountability with some other brothers. We can do better together. And radical accountability surrounds the flesh and shines the light on it. And so uh, that's a good thing. It, uh, it helps us. But again, um, we do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what we really need. Radical adoration Supersedes the flesh. When we're loving God and worshiping Him, then we don't turn to the uh, old things of the, the flesh. Um, we, we found something way better. We found something to love more than anything else. We love God more than we love any of this other stuff, and that's way better. And so our radical adoration supersedes our flesh, but again, we do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, How does that work? Uh, If we um, live according to the spirit, uh, we will live. Uh, Here's how the the spirit works. It it isn't like the flesh. The flesh entices us and throws some things in there, draws us along until it masters us. Uh, The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. Um, It says, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. God doesn't give us things. He gives us relationship. One person said, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. The opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. Because connection is what we need. Relationship is what we're longing for and anything else is a cheap substitute for it. Notice the focus of our cry is on the Father, not on us and on the Spirit's witness, not on what we do. We cry the Abba Father, the Spirit of Adoption. What a beautiful uh, name for the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Adoption. He brings us into the family. This is how God works. The Spirit invites us To follow. And then he leads us. And instead of fear, there is confidence. God doesn't coerce us or appeal to our flesh or demand or control us. Here's how how God's Spirit works He informs us. That's why the Word of God is so important. He informs us of what the truth is and invites us to follow and then includes us. Never against our will. So when we feed on God's word, our flesh can't use that food. One person said it's like this, this battle, this epic battle between the flesh and the spirit. He says, it's like there's two dogs inside me fighting all the time. And the flesh wants me to do this. Bark, 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 bark. And the spirit wants me to do this. He doesn't bark at me. But he, the spirit's always pulling. And, he, and so a man asks, well, which dog wins? And he says, the one I feed. Isn't that so true? It's the one I feed. And so uh, the spirit... The Spirit uh, leads us. He informs us. He uh, uh, leads us and includes us. So here's the reality. I'm in debt to the Spirit, but I must engage the process of following Him by putting to death the deeds of the flesh. So here's five practical ways to kill sin in your life. Because you need a list, right? So write this down. Recognize the presence of sin in your flesh. Recognize it. We're in a battle here. Uh, you can't just ignore this. Uh, secondly, read God's word. You have to feed on the right things. This is the spiritual food. The spirit uses the word of God in our lives. And then really pray. I needed an R. So I said really pray. But, but seriously, um, seri- seriously, uh, we really need to take this seriously. Because how, how often do we really pray? We worry towards God sometimes, right? We kind of worry towards God or we uh, pray by uh, just like habit. Um, thank you for the world so sweet. Uh, thank you for the food we eat. Thank you for the birds that sing. Thank you, Lord, for everything. And uh, I couldn't believe it. Our family used to say that. And one is, thank you for the uh, food. The oh, I forget, we screwed it up. But thank you for the birds we eat and the... It just, like it was really, and we all did it all in in together. And like, how does that happen? Is that the kind of prayers that you pray? Now, we say grace every meal. I think that's so important to stop and say, thank you, God. Just a recognition. Now, it can just become habit. But when it comes to this battle between our flesh and the spirit, we need to really pray. Call out to God for deliverance. Paul did that who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. And so really pray. And then secondly, uh, this fourth, rally with believers. I need another R, but like get, we need each other. We need to be in this together. I need your prayers. Uh, I need your counsel. I need you to help see uh, sin in my life. I need you to help see when the flesh is, um, no brother, brother, that is not a good idea. That is your flesh. Stop that. I need that. I need, we need to help each other. I need your encouragement to say, we can do better together. And so, a rally with believers and then finally this, radically seek God. God just never does anything in my life without involving me in it. Wouldn't it be nice if he just kind of zapped you? Like you didn't have a choice anymore? But that's not how God works. He informs us and invites us and includes us, and we need to respond to that. So that uh, last point radically seeks God uh, brings us to our third point. If I'm going to handle my spiritual spiritual debt properly, I must embrace the Redeemer. Verses sixteen and seventeen says the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We've seen that the only way out of the debt of sin we owe is through union with Jesus Christ. The debt that we owe is now to yield to him. Listen, it's a, it's a package deal, right? Like, uh, we have suffered with Christ. By faith, we were united to him in his death and burial and resurrection. And we're united with Him so uh, securely that Paul talks about our glory, our glorification, our being with Him as a done deal. Uh, that's already as if it's already happened. Now we know it hasn't. We're still here. But our union with Christ is a present reality also. And so Paul says we're, we're suffering with Him now so that we can be glorified with Him later. How does uh, that look? Well, uh, he gives us a couple of uh, different... Uh, different points where he talks about that. He says uh, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 11, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ, because it was bad debt anyway. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, it is so worth being united with Christ, I'm glad to take on His sufferings. Colossians 1.24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Now nothing is lacking in Christ's sacrifice in the sense that it was incomplete. It was more than enough. But being united to him, we participate with him in his life and his future glory, and that includes suffering. And yet we embrace him. And we embrace the Redeemer, the one who bought us out from under our debt of sin. Why? Uh, just because he, uh, this debt brings me fabulous riches and glory? It does. Um, but much more, it's much more personal than that. It's because he loves me and lives in me. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me he loved me and gave himself for me it's not just an academic um, this is the numbers thing i owed a debt that i would never be able to pay and jesus christ paid it in my place and now i owe him everything and what does he give me he doesn't enslave me to pay him back for this debt. He makes me his son and his daughter and he includes me and he gives me all the riches of, uh, that he has bought, uh, all the riches of glory and in heaven and we get to be with him. And so, uh, man, that's a pretty good debt, eh? And so, what's the bottom line? What is the bottom line for spiritual debt for you and me? Well, it's easy. Trademark. I owe the flesh Exactly zero. Trademark. I owe God everything. And then when he collects on the debt, he gives me his riches and makes me his son. Whatever you're facing today, can I encourage you to embrace the Savior, engage with his word, and live according to the Spirit. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to sing that song again. A good, good father. Uh, He's a good father. He's included us. He's given us great riches. He's given us the ability to live for him. Live by the spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your uh, goodness to us. Father, I pray that we have been able to see today that uh, this huge debt, Father, like a chasm that we could never get out of, Yet Jesus Christ has bridged the gap and brought us, reconciled us to you, our Heavenly Father. Uh, Lord, we owe you everything. Yet, Lord, we so often get sucked in by our old nature. You need this. You want this. Father, you've given to us everything we need in Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray that you'd lift our hearts up to see uh, the truth of that, And Father, as we sing these songs week after week, Father, I pray that that they would be just expressing the reality that we are in Christ and that we are your sons and your daughters and we are enveloped in your love and carried along by your spirit and living out uh, the life of Jesus Christ uh, in our flesh, uh, looking forward to full deliverance and living in your glory. And so, Father, united, here we stand to sing. We are your children. You are our good Good Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at harvestberry.ca. And remember, you are loved.